Hello, everybody, and welcome in to the newest edition of the Just In Time Sports Podcast. I am your host, Justin Jackson. And remember, you can find this show on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And don't forget to follow the Twitter page, at JTimeSports. I repeat, at JTimeSports, for all of your sports news, for interactions, and just for all your sports updates about the show and about sports world in general. We're constantly breaking news on there. So definitely check that out, give it a follow, and turn the post notifications on. But in this week's episode, we will be talking about the NFL and what's going down there, including recapping the Super Bowl. We will have our first edition of the Justin Time Sports Mock Draft. We basically started the show with one last year, so we're definitely going to do that. We're going to have a look at the NBA, we're going to look at Major League Baseball, and we're going to have our best for last. Now, I hope you guys sit back and get ready to learn something. All righty, everyone, and welcome into the show. We are absolutely packed. I am extremely excited for this week's episode. I, uh, Like I said, I am incredibly excited today. We have Super Bowl recaps. We have mock draft. I am a draft nerd. I take pride in nailing that thing. We have NBA. We've got baseball. This thing is absolutely packed. Let's not waste any time. Let's jump right into the Super Bowl 55. And first, before I congratulate anyone, I'd like to congratulate myself because I picked the Bucks. I said, hey, I fought it. I was like, man, I picked the Bucks. I like the number at three. I figured the Bucks, if they lost, would lose close, especially with home field, basically. And so I decided to go with the Bucks there. Obviously, the Bucks won convincingly. And so we went 7-0 in Jack's pack, starting from the divisional round. After 0-4-1 in the wild card, or 0-5-1 in the wild card, and me saying it couldn't get any worse, we didn't miss the rest of the playoffs. We nailed 7-0 for Jack's pack against the spread, and we also nailed the money lines. We also picked the right winners and their point spreads correctly. So absolutely spectacular there in Jack's pack. What a way to close out the season. We'll definitely be ready to do that next season. But back to the game itself, it was an absolute domination from start to finish. And honestly, it could have been a lot worse. And it also could have been a lot better. We're going to start off with the ways it could have been a lot worse. I felt that Tampa Bay left points on the field. Now, we've seen that in Tom Brady's Super Bowls. Hell, he's been in 10 of them. We've seen they all pretty much look the same for the most part. He's never scored a touchdown in the first quarter of any of them until this last one. It's always a feel-out game. It's always, okay, let's take our time here. Tom Brady knows that you pay triple, quadruple for a turnover. Short fields are death. Easy points are just something you cannot allow. And he knows situation of football down to the T. And it felt like a New England Super Bowl where the defense rose up, rose and shone. All props to Ty Bowles, Shaq Barrett. JPP, Devin White, Antoine Winfield Jr. with the best taunt of the year on Tyreek Hill. The rest of that crew on defense, all props to those guys because those guys snuffed that Chiefs offense completely out. The loss of the tackles were just too much to overcome. Patrick Mahomes just scrambled over the field, and that defense was amazing. And then you got guys like Leonard Fournette, Rob Gronkowski, Antonio Brown, all guys who were not Bucks last season. Scored all of the points for the uh, Tampa Bay 
Bucks rather. And so when you have a situation like that, you come out with a Brady who knows, man, that defense is rolling. It took about two possessions to look at that Chiefs offensive line and go, they have no shot against those Bucks pass rushers. And it wasn't like the Bucks were doing typical Todd Bowles defense where they were sending six people. They sent five people. They sent eight people at times. They would send seven where they constantly were sending people. Todd Bowles is known for sending pressure. He only sent pressure five times. He only sent a blitz, which quantifies a blitz as an extra rusher, so five or more, five times. Five. Out of the whole entire game, five times. That correlates to Patrick Mahomes being pressured a Super Bowl record 29 or 27 times, if memory serves me correctly. That is insane because they could not block them. Now, that was the occasional cornerback blitz. He sent a double, Todd Bowles sent a double cornerback blitz at one point. But the Tampa Bay Bucks sat in two high safeties the entire game. Now, whether it was a flat or cover two, which it looked like for the most part, because if you saw for a play not to get too deep into the game itself, but if you saw, remember a play, Levante David did move his feet and jam Travis Kelsey at five yards. The only way he can do that properly in defense is if he's in a flat out cover two because that's his responsibility is that spot so it was flat out cover two at times it was cover two man also known as cover five um also known as 22 it is where a situation where they played too high safety the chiefs ran the ball well the chiefs ran the ball well Clyde was had nine carries for 71 yards now some of that was in the second half when the chiefs could really run the ball to stay in the game. They couldn't really do it. Uh, even the trick or race they tried to run didn't really work. But Clyde Edwards-Alaire had a good numbers on the ground, but they couldn't block them. And so when I was saying that the Bucks left points on the field, Brady missed the key throw to Godwin early. Uh, it was one of those throws where you would look and go, oh man, Brady's a little bit off. And if this ever hits with the Chiefs offense, the Bucks can be in trouble. The problem was the Chiefs offense didn't necessarily get going or didn't get going at all, rather. So Brady probably looked up and realized, hey, my defense is going to hold them under 20. Now, I don't think he expected to be held under 10, but I do fully expect Brady looked up and said, my defense is going to hold them under 20. Let's not go out here and give KC a short field. Let's not go out here and gift them three to seven points that my defense would make them earn. So even if they did get it, they had to work for it. And so you looked at that, and that was a great game plan. You looked at the touchdowns. You had Rob Gronkowski on a tight end slide. Play action, tight end slide across the line formation. He's wide open touchdown. Leonard Fournette has a run in which the Bucks threw in a wrinkle on a play the Bucks run a lot, which is basically um, – halfback zone where they just run right through the middle of the line and Fournette has a three-way go. He can bounce it. He's allowed to go anywhere he wants and based on his vision. This time they dictated it. He goes outside because the Chiefs were susceptible to going outside. He bounces it. Touchdown. Walk in. And then of course you had Gronk in the back of the end zone. That was a great touchdown. And then you had Antonio Brown absolutely whipping Tyron Matthew on a whip route and to easy touchdown there. I mean, the Bucks scored 31 points, and I think they left about 14 on the field. At least 10, but they left about 14 on the field. However, this game could have been a lot closer. 
because Patrick Mahomes threw a couple of the greatest incompletions I've ever seen on planet Earth. I'm convinced those two throws were the, two of the greatest throws that will never be seen much in the NBA, in the NFL, rather highlight reel ever. The throw where he's getting twisted around and flings it and damn near hits the pylon, the back pylon, uh, probably one yard too fast for Demarcus Robinson. I think it was who was laying out for it. That was incomplete. And then the pass that hit Williams in the face is honestly ridiculous. Like he's getting tripped, is ver- horizontal to the earth, flicks it, it goes over Devin White. And hits the running back in the face. I'm 90% sure if Patrick Mahomes was standing straight up, no pressure, and told him to make that exact throw, he can't make it better. It hit his target in the face, and it was dropped. So, Pat didn't get it help from his offensive line. He didn't get it help from his receivers. Travis Kelsey dropped the key third down. Tyree Hill dropped the key pass. Obviously, I said that horizontal throw smacks his target in the face. Who was a running back? You've got the Demarcus Robinson play. I think that's Demarcus Robinson. That was right. I mean, it basically hit the back pylon with the throw. And it was three feet in front of where it should have been. Patrick Mahomes looked human for the first time. But I think that game, as crazy as it sounds, brought Patrick back to the pack. Not in the sense of, oh, man, he wasn't as good as we thought he was. No, no. Arm talent-wise, he's exactly as good as we thought he was. Evidence of those crazy throws that will only live in the Patrick Mahomes highlight reel, and we'll just never see the end of them. We'll just assume he completed it in about 20 years. But his arm talent is undeniable. It brought him back to the pack in terms of, okay, he can't overcome everything so last playoff run shot him to the moon because he came back from 10 down against tennessee he came back from 24 down against houston he came back from 10 down against the niners it looked like at a certain point okay put patrick mahomes on the field put some guys around him and he'll come back he'll figure it out he'll come back he going he's entering the super bowl the chiefs had won 25 of 26, including road games against several tough opponents. And the only game they lost was a home game against the Raiders, which they summarily avenged the very next time they played. So in the last 25 opponents entering the Super Bowl, it was 25 up, 25 down, including the Bucks in Raymond James Stadium in Week 12. However, we saw that, like I said, he is human and that he's closer to the pack than we think. Guy, think of guys like Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson. He's closer to those guys than mythical beings that just are infallible. I think in terms of coaching in this game, the Bucks kicked the Chiefs' butt pretty easily. It looked like the game was over with about three minutes left in terms of the schematics. About three minutes to of uh, in the first quarter, rather, in terms of the schematics. The Bucks came out in too high, and the Chiefs refused to run the ball. The game's over. And what I mean by that is you're depending on Patrick Mahomes to be that otherworldly mystical being just to get you to score some points because they're sitting in a defense begging you to run the ball. You have 
two tackles that should not be in the game. You are in a situation where running the ball is probably your best bet for sustained success. That way, if you put if you run play action, put the ball in the, in the belly of the back, the linebackers have to look for just a half a second. That may let Tyreek Hill slip behind them. That may let Travis Kelsey slip behind them. That'll make those DNs stop for half a second because they got to peel back and stop the run. You don't know what that play action could have done. And you basically threw deep. Try to throw deep through a cover two. Anyway, that was an absolutely marvelous coaching job for Ty Bowles. It was Bill Belichick against the K-Gun. It was Bill Belichick against the greatest show on turf. And now it's Ty Bowles against the Chiefs offense. Absolutely spectacular. Oh, the Denver Broncos against, I'm sorry, the Seattle Seahawks against the Denver Broncos. The Legion of Boom against the Broncos. Those four Super Bowl performances against all-time defenses is spectacular. And Ty Bowles put himself in one of the top five coaching defensive jobs in a Super Bowl ever. I would argue that he's number two. Only because Bill Belichick gets the K-Gun was so revolutionary for the time that it was absolutely unheard of what he did as the defensive coordinator for the Giants. And of course, if you even argue him 0-1 against the greatest show on turf. Andy Reid didn't look great here. Andy Reid did not look great here at all. Like I said, they didn't they didn't adjust. There was no counterpunch. There was no dodge there was no second move it was we're gonna play how we play we're gonna figure this out they never figured it out so that is where andy reed's old demons for lack of a better term came back up you know it was his complaint in philly was that he was rigid and that he wouldn't come off of his own strategy and he wouldn't come off his own strategy in the Super Bowl and scored nine points and got summarily embarrassed on the game's biggest stage. So I don't know what happens here in terms of the windows getting smaller for the Chiefs. Uh, looking at where each team goes from here, the windows getting smaller for the Chiefs to have the full complement of loaded weapons for Patrick Mahomes because in short order, his contract extension starts to kick in. And so when that extension kicks in, eats up more of the cap, then of course you have to lose talent, nail on draft picks. It becomes a lot harder to succeed. Look at Russell. Look at Russell Wilson. He run on his rookie deal and hasn't won since. Uh, a lot of guys went on their rookie deals, have their best years on their rookie deals, and don't win again. Carson Wentz had his 2017 MVP year on his rookie deal, and he's on the verge of getting traded. You have Jared Goff, who went to the Super Bowl on his rookie deal and was actually traded. So that rookie deal is such a prime part of a quarterback's life. Pat doesn't have many years left on it. He may have one, maybe two years left on his rookie deal until that extension fully kicks in, that half a billion dollar extension that he signed. Now, if you look at the Bucks, the Bucks are in an interesting spot. They have about $28 million of cap space. Mike Evans has already come out and said, or according to Bruce Arians, Mike Evans has said that, yeah, use some of my money to bring these guys back. I'm sure that other big name guys on the team will do the same guy with some security. Maybe you look at a Brady, add the year, restructure, shift money back. Because if you look at the cap for the next season for the Bucks, they have $100 million in cap space. So if the Jason Light, he's already said they want to run it back. You got Bruce Arians is like, we're going to run it back. 
you're in a situation where due to that hundred million dollars, not this off season, but next off season, you have a hundred million dollars in cap space. You can simply rob Peter to pay Paul. So you can throw a bunch of big jumps in salary for next season. So maybe you sign an extension. I don't know. You sign Chris Godwin reports are he's worth about four years, $78 million, about $19 million a year, which is about the market I was thinking for him. Sign him to that deal, fully guarantee it, however, or 90% guarantee it. That way you can play with the bonus money and you just shift the bonus money back a year. So there's this big cap bonus that'll eat up a lot of cap, but he's already on contract. Leonard Fournette, they need to bring back. You've got Levante David, you've got Shaq Barrett, you've got some very key contributors for the Bucks, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown. Uh, Rob Gronkowski, who said he's not playing fan about it, but Brady, he'll take the vet men and just to come back. And so you've got a lot of talent there that the Bucks need to resign, but they have the money to do it and they have one franchise tag. So they can franchise tag. And if I was the Bucks, how I would look at it, I would do my best to sign Shaq Barrett. You have no state tax in Florida, so that'll help. But I would do my best to sign Shaq Barrett. I don't think he's a $20 million a year pass rusher, but I can see him going for five years, 75. Shaq Barrett's done. That's $15 million out of year 28. Then you got $13 million a year. I feel like you can you can create about another 15, so that gets you back to 28. And then you give Chris Godwin his money. Four years, 78, match whatever he gets in free agency. Maybe take a hair off because he's in Florida with those state taxes. Let's say four years, 75. So that gives you $17.5 million, if my math is correct off the top of my head. Then that'll you'll still have $11 million. You got AB and Fournette. Give Fournette $5 million. Franchise tag Antonio Brown. The whole squad is back. So there is a definite path to the Bucks succeeding. And that's even saying they can only create out of their own team $20 million or $17 million, $15 million rather. So there's a definite path to the Bucks bringing the whole squad back and running it back and trying to go for two in the words of Bruce Arians. So on to some QB carousel news. I mentioned it not too long ago. We're expecting Carson Wentz to be traded any day. Um, favorites are right now Indianapolis, obviously due to the Frank Wright connection. Uh, Chicago, actually, I believe right now is the betting favorite. They are the team betting to win because, as we know, Mitchell Trubisky ain't great. He just, he just ain't great. There's nothing against the guy. It's nothing personal. He's just not what we call a franchise changer at the quarterback position. Obviously, we're looking at the Deshaun Watson situation. The, the team is adamant they're not moving him. But now a team president, a Clemson alum, has quit saying he's not interested in the way the franchise is going. The equipment manager, big Deshaun Watson guy, has been fired. You have everybody who was cool with Deshaun Watson or seemed to be connected to Deshaun Watson organization now being let go, being fired, and familiarly mistreated by management and ownership for the Houston Texans. So at this point, it is a flat-out alienation of Deshaun Watson's supporters without actually getting rid of Deshaun Watson. It's a bad situation. If I'm Deshaun, I'm in no stress-out mode at all. I have 
hundred million dollars of your dollars. I'm I'm good. I financially I can sit and watch and just train and be ready for my new team. But if I, you know, in a few weeks we're looking at getting close to training camp and I'm still a Houston Texan, then that could be an issue. But up until then, we'll continue to watch and monitor the situation for Deshaun Watson. In terms of Marcus Mariota, he is a team or player rather that's come up in several teams discussions for their future, their quarterback position. Uh, The New England Patriots have been linked to him. He's been linked to possibly San Francisco. I've heard a couple other locations that Mariota could be in play due to his mobile style and his image rehabilitation. So that is something we could watch out for as well. Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys, they're still in an absolute standoff. Dallas didn't even include Dak Prescott in their hype video for the upcoming season, which I believe is an absolute travesty. And the fact that the media people or the PR people rather tried to go, oh, it's there's no story here. It was an oversight. We should have caught it. Da, 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 da. Well, the video is still up. Everyone knows it's not in it. If it's really oversight, wouldn't you take the video down and add a minute and put it back up? If it's really an oversight, if it's really just an honest mistake, oh darn, we didn't see it coming. We didn't see it. Crap, we thought the video was great. We didn't even notice he wasn't in it. A, you didn't know your star quarterback wasn't in the video? How is it an oversight? And B, if it's truly an oversight, it doesn't take a whole lot to edit uh, edit a clip. Take one of the backup special teamers out and insert Dak Prescott in the exact spot. Yeah, oversight, right. Totally believe that Dallas, that makes sense. So Dak Prescott is possibly on the move from Dallas. Uh, Adam Schefter did the over under on quarterback, new teams with new quarterbacks. And he said the over under was 18 and he picked the over. 18 new team quarterback combinations. I am incredibly excited about that situation. The NFL offseason is finally beginning to rival in terms of action, the NBA offseason. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. But I'm looking forward to something else a whole lot more. Up next, we have the Justin Time Sports Mock Draft 1.0 Pre-Free Agency Edition. So when it comes to the mock draft, we're going to do one now and we are going to do one after free agency. So sit back after just a quick break and we will debut that mock draft. Alrighty guys, and we are back. And now we're going to dive into the Justin Time Sports mock draft pre-free agency. So the pre-free agency mock draft is based on team needs as of right now. Obviously, it doesn't factor into well, they could do this, so then we're gonna do that. It has no trades in it, and the plan is to do one now before free agency, one after free agency. And then one right before the draft when the board really gets a lot clear. And the one right before the draft, actually, like we do a show Friday. So we might special edition that one to Thursday before the draft or the draft comes out. So you can judge us against what actually happens in the draft. I spent a pretty good amount of time on this thing. I think I did a very good job of it. 
Uh, we're going to run right through them. Obviously, like I said, with the pre-draft show, that'll be a big breakdown of the board, strength, weaknesses of these players, stuff like that. This time, we're just going to dive right into the draft and knock out this draft board. I'm honestly convinced I should be in someone's front office, but we'll address that at a later date. So let's dive right into this. Obviously, going number one to the Jacksonville Jaguars would be Trevor Lawrence, quarterback out of Clemson. This was by far the easiest selection. He's been the number one pick for a couple of years, honestly, <laughs> in his own draft class. A lot of people say come out of his freshman year. If he could have been eligible, he would have been number one. So Trevor Lawrence is the number one pick. Urban Meyer gets his franchise quarterback to start the rebuild and the rebrand of the Jacksonville Jaguars. At two is when the fun begins. One is easy. One is decided. I mean, Jacksonville is going to his pro day today just to see. Like, just to meet him, I guess. Just have Urban Meyer meet him in person. Hey, I'm Urban Meyer, et cetera, because he's going one. And number two, like I said, would be the New York Jets. And they will draft Jamar Chase, wide receiver out of LSU, to help Sam Darnold. Now, this pick is interesting because they have a new head coach in Robert Sala, who comes from San Francisco with a defensive mind. Obviously, he was a defensive coordinator in San Francisco, so maybe he could look defense here. But if they're the dominant edge rusher, I would say that, you know, he could go edge here and get a dominant edge rusher to start retooling that defense. But if he's going to rock out with Sam Darnold, he's going to need to get Darnold some weapons. They went tackle last year with Makai Becton. And they go Jamar Chase here with number two out of LSU. Number three, Devontae Smith, wide receiver, Alabama to the Miami Dolphins, pick courtesy of the Houston Texans. Now, this pick reunites friends in terms of Tua Tagovailoa and Devontae Smith. If you remember, they made their debut on the national stage when Tua subs in for Jalen Hurts halftime of the championship game against Georgia. He throws that seam ball to against cover two. Who did he throw it to? At the time, fellow freshman wide receiver Devontae Smith. Smith has been open and saying that they have spoken about possibly having the ability to reunite in Miami. Tua needs some weapons. The Dolphins were ranked last or second to last in terms of separation by their receivers. So Devontae Smith can definitely help you there. Number four, Caleb Fairley, cornerback, Virginia Tech, goes to the Atlanta Falcons. Now, this pick was interesting considering that they just have a new GM in Terry Fontenot, so we don't have a draft history. But Terry does come from New Orleans, who are, was in a similar situation these past few years that Atlanta's in now in terms of their cap struck with a good receiver and a good quarterback. But you don't know if you want to rebuild or restart with a new quarterback and a new leader, or if you want to draft for the current regime and try to win with that regime. Ultimately, due to cap situations and cap mechanisms, he's pretty much stuck with Matt Ryan for at least a season, more than likely two. And so you might as well draft to succeed in no time. Plus, a good young corner never hurts anybody. Yes, they were AJ Terrell last season. However, they could always use another. So Caleb Farley goes to Atlanta at number four. At number five, the second easiest pick on the board, Penesol Tackle Oregon goes to the Cincinnati Bengals to protect Joe Burrow's blind side because he didn't make it through his rookie year and that offensive line is absolutely atrocious in Cincinnati. Number six, arguably probably the third easiest pick, Jalen Waddle, wide receiver Alabama, goes to the Philadelphia Eagles. Whoever's playing quarterback for them, Carson Wentz or 
Jalen Hurts needs targets. Alshon Jeffries old breaking down. Deshaun Jackson can never make it through a season. They need some youth infusion. They pass up on a guy like Justin Jefferson to go with Jalen Rager last season. And so they try to fix that mistake and they go with the speed demon, Jalen Waddle out of Alabama. At number seven, new coach Dan Campbell, along with the new regime in Detroit, they pick up Micah Parsons, linebacker out of Penn State. He's an absolute monster, a general in the middle, and something that you can build a culture around in terms of his effectiveness and his, the way he plays violently on the field. Dan Campbell probably be intrigued in that based on his WWE-style press conferences. They go Micah Parsons, number seven, to the Detroit Lions. At number eight, a very interesting pick here with Carolina. Another one of those teams with a few good needs that where they could go. I decided they went with Quiddy Pay, edge out of Michigan. He is an edge rusher. He comes off the edge. He disrupts havoc. You're in a division with Tom Brady. You're in a division with Matt Ryan. You're in a division with Sean Payton at coaching in the New Orleans Saints. You're going to need to be able to get to the passer. They've got the interior mostly figured out. They've got a good corner. They've got decent safeties. Here they go to that edge to try and finish off that front seven and then make a real pass rush. At number nine, the first draft that John Elway is not a GM happens to be the draft. They get a good quarterback. That would be Zach Wilson, quarterback, BYU, goes to the Denver Broncos, like I said, at nine. The John Elway has stepped back. He has given the reins up to a different person. Yeah, he should step up. He's more of a he's more of an executive executive now instead of the general manager. But the Broncos select Zach Wilson, quarterback BYU, and Drew Locke's reign in Denver is officially over. At number ten, we have Christian Barmore, defensive line out of Alabama, goes to the Dallas Cowboys. Now, this was a pick I battled back and forth between a guy in Barmore and a guy we're going to name not too far away from now, Rashawn Slater, the tackle from Northwestern, because Dallas' offensive line is aging. It's aging, and not only is it aging, it's falling apart. But that defense gets no pressure. None. That defense doesn't care anybody in terms of you have a lot of high-paid defensive players and not a lot of high execution. And so when you've got something like that, Christian Barmore coming from a Nick Saban, high character, high class guy, maybe he is the spark that need in Dallas. And although they need an offensive line and start retooling it, I think they go with Christian Barmore here. He's a very talented defensive lineman, can play in multiple techniques, can play inside, can play a shade, can play a one, can play a nose. And so he allows defensive flexibility for the Dallas Cowboys. At number 11, Bama goes off the board again. Patrick Sertan goes to the New York Giants at number 11. He's an absolute monster at corner. The Giants need some help defensively. When you're playing in that division, you're going to need some help, especially going to play in the NFC. We're seeing the quarterbacks that happen to be in the NFC these days. Rashawn Bateman goes number 12, wide receiver Minnesota, to the San Francisco 49ers. I debated them going quarterback here. But in this mock draft, no moves are made. So because no moves are made, Jimmy Garoppolo is still there. You still owe him a good amount of money. Granted, you can move off the contract, but you probably roll with Jimmy Garoppolo and you strengthen that receiving core with Rashawn Bateman, especially considering Patrick Sertan just went off the board. So you can't replace Richard Sherman with a young corner. At 13 was a very difficult pick because the Chargers roster is basically complete. 
but they go Rashawn Slater tackle out of Northwestern. Now they do need a tackle and they could use a defensive lineman. So this is a situation where Barmore slips and he looks up and he's at 13, he may go to LA. There's a situation where if Sertan makes it to 13 or Caleb Farley makes it to 13, they could be gone as well. But I think the Chargers take the best player at a weaker position and they take Rashad, uh, sorry, Rashawn Slater tackle out of Northwestern. At 14, we have the Minnesota Vikings who will select Aziz Ojolari edge from georgia now he's a great edge rusher his little brother uh bj ojalari is at lsu causing havoc and he caused havoc at georgia as well now minnesota could use the edge rusher they did not get a lot of pressure on the quarterback last season when you're in a division with aaron Rodgers, you're in a division with now jared goff you're in a division with okay the bears with mitch trubisky that ain't great but you have to get pressure on the quarterback when you're in the same division as Aaron Rodgers. So they go with Aziz Ojolari here. At 15, my New England Patriots select Justin Fields, quarterback, Ohio State. I actually battled with this pick because I didn't know how Bill Belichick was going to play this. I didn't know if he was thinking, okay, we can get the quarterback later. Again, this is a draft where no moves are made. And like the biggest glaring bright red flashing light in New England is weaponry and quarterbacks to get the ball to those weapons. So ultimately, I decided that they couldn't pass up on Justin Fields here. Although in a couple of spots, the team that didn't, you know, get Justin Fields would love him. But I decided they couldn't pass up on Justin Fields here. And so the New England Patriots select Justin Fields, quarterback, Ohio State. At 16, the Arizona Cardinals select Kyle Pitts, tight end out of Florida. Now, they have a couple of needs in terms of offensive line. So they could have went Christian Derrishaw here. They have a couple of needs in terms of corner. They have edge rusher concerns, but they have an offensive-minded coach, Cliff Kingsbury. They need a tight end. You're losing Larry Fitzgerald, so you can use another dependable weapon in the intermediate game for Kyler Murray. So they go Kyle Pitts here, goes to Arizona. At 17, the Las Vegas Raiders select Jason Owa, Edge, Penn State. They need a pass rush ASAP. They need a pass rush two years ago. They need a defense last year. The Raiders select the best defensive player on the board, and they go Jason Owa, Edge, Penn State. At number 18, the Miami Dolphins are back on the clock. They select Christian Derrishaw, offensive tackle, Virginia Tech. They already got Devontae Smith, so now you're solving your problem in terms of wide receivability. Now you solve an offensive line issue, you pick up a good tackle, Christian Derrishaw from Virginia Tech. At number 19, we have the Washington football team. They get their quarterback of the future, even though they just gave Taylor Hankey money. Congratulations to him. Two years, $8 million. They draft Trey Lance, quarterback, North Dakota State. This is the quarterback of the future, similar to Taylor Heineke in terms of build and mobility and stuff like that. But he comes and he goes to Ron, Ron Rivera into a rebuilding situation in Washington, but a team with a chance to win. They have a good young defense. Now they have a quarterback on a rookie contract. Washington could definitely do some things if the situation goes right in the nation's capital. They draft Trey Lance. At number 20, the Chicago Bears grit their teeth that Trey Lance is just gone. 
and they draft Tevin Jenkins, offensive tackle, Oklahoma State, to assure up that offensive line for Mitch Trubisky. Trubisky's had moments of good abilities. He's had, you know, situations where, oh, man, you know, that could be something. But for the most part, it's Mitch Trubisky. And so it doesn't usually go well for long. But they pick up an offensive tackle here to attempt to help him along in his development. And like I said, you're in the same division as the Packers front seven. You're in the same division as the Vikings, who just drafted the edge rusher. You're in the same division as the Lions, who I'm sure are going to want to create pressure under Lovey Smith. So you definitely are looking at a situation where Tevin Jenkins is a good pick for the Chicago Bears. At pick 21, Indianapolis Colts select Gregory Rocho. Uh, excuse me if I mispronounced it right. Rosale. Rosale. Edge out of Miami. They need a pass rusher. They can also use a quarterback. But when a lot of the big name quarterbacks are gone in terms of talent wise, they go edge here and keep shirt up that defense. At pick 22, we have Jalen Phillips. Edge out of Miami. So back to back edge rushers out of Miami. They had a great pass rush last season. And they go back-to-back off the board. Jalen Phillips, edge out of Miami, goes to the Tennessee Titans because they swung and missed twice on free agent acquisitions on the edge, including Jadavion Clowney. At 23, the New York Jets are back on the clock. They draft linebacker Jeremiah Owusu-Karamoa out of Notre Dame. They need a defense. Robert Sala can't pass up on a guy who can make a a difference in the middle of his defense. He goes with Jeremiah out of Notre Dame. The Pittsburgh Steelers are on the clock at 24 and draft Trayvon Moring, Moig, safety out of TCU. They could use help on that back end. In the back, they could also use the quarterback and a tackle. Ultimately, they decided to go safety here. Obviously, Mike Tomlin leans a little bit more defense. And if Big Big Ben is going to come back, that defense is going to have to be top-notch. And so they go with Trayvon out of TCU here. At 25, the Jacksonville Jaguars are back on the clock. They go with Elijah Vera Tucker, tackle out of USC. You got your quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. You got to protect them. So they go with Elijah Vera Tucker out of USC. The Cleveland Browns at 26 draft J.C. Horn, cornerback out of South Carolina. That back four wasn't great. Ultimately, it's what cost them the game against the Chiefs. Uh, They couldn't defend. And so when you've got a situation like that, your offense coming together under Kevin Stefanski, you just need one more corner, possibly another linebacker. So they go J.C. Horn, cornerback out of South Carolina. At 27, the Baltimore Ravens select Rondell Moore, wide receiver out of Purdue, for obvious reasons. They need receiver talent. He is a change of pace guy, uh, similar to a Hollywood Brown, though not exactly in the same mold. And so Rondell Moore goes to Baltimore at 27. At 28, the New Orleans Saints select Asante Samuel Jr., cornerback out of Florida State. They need a corner. They go opposite of Marshawn Lattimore here. They could have went with a receiver to go opposite Michael Thomas. The Emmanuel Center is getting up there in age, but they ultimately decided they couldn't pass up on the defensive guy and Asante Samuel Jr., a cornerback out of Florida State. At 29, the Packers do decide to try and get a guy to go opposite Devontae Adams, and they draft Kadarius Toney, wide receiver out of Florida. He's a speed burner. He's got speed to burn. 
He's not Tyreek Hill. No, he's, I mean, he's not Rondell Moore fast, but he's an athletic guy who can get north and get through the middle of the field. And so Kadarius Tony is a guy that goes to Green Bay out of Florida at 29. At pick 30, the Buffalo Bills select Dylan Randun's tackle out of North Dakota State. Now, this was a pick that I battled between them going tackle here to help Josh Allen or running back here to help Josh Allen. But ultimately, I think they go with Dylan Redunds out of North Dakota State, the tackle. Pick 31, the Kansas City Chiefs select Wyatt Davis, guard out of Ohio State. They don't have a lot of weaknesses here. And so they go with an offensive lineman to sure up what lost them the Super Bowl, their offensive line and their ability to be able to be mobile on the offensive line. So they go with Wyatt Davis out of Ohio State. And the defending Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, draft Carlos Basham Jr., edge out of Wake Forest. Because, again, a team that doesn't have a lot of weaknesses, but they have a couple of aging pieces, one of them being edge rusher. And so maybe they want to get a little bit more flexible in their scheme. You've got JPP, Shaq Barrett, and now this young man out of Wake Forest to sure up your edge rushing. But that completes the mock draft for round one, obviously. So pretty much anybody ever does for a mock draft. The Justin Time Sports 1.0 mock draft is complete. Tweet me if you don't like your team's pick and tell me who you would prefer. Obviously, this is a rough situation before free agency. We'll do one after free agency or any big deals and stuff like that. So you guys definitely keep track of that situation. But up next, we will be shifting to the NBA and talking about what's going down there. Alrighty, guys, and we are back and welcome in. And now we're going to shift to the NBA. So as always, let's take a peek at these standings. Out east, we have Sixers, Bucks, Nets, Celtics, Pacers, Raptors, Hornets, Hawks, Heat, Knicks. And like I said, I always do 10 because of the play-in games and things of that nature. Those 10 teams are relevant. And out west, we have Utah, Lakers, Clippers, Suns, Portland, Spurs, Denver, Golden State, Sacramento and the Grizzlies. So obviously it has become a very interesting season with a lot of standout performances. Steph Curry has lost his mind the past few games. He hit nine threes two games ago. He hit 10 threes last game. That has to be a record for the most games, for the most threes in the consecutive games. He's absolutely gone insane. Joel Embiid is dominating, although they lost last night. He dominated his competition. Just Carmelo Anthony flashed back in time. I guess he realized the braids were back in his hair. And he absolutely went insane. Sorry for the interruption and the mid-break in show. We have breaking news into the show. The Houston Texans have just released star J.J. Watt. Uh, Apparently, it was a mutual decision. They could have traded J.J. Watt and got a decent draft pick back for him. We broke the news on our Twitter page, at Daytime Sports. You could have been all over that. But the J.J. Watt asked for his release from the Houston Texans. It was granted. And so he is moving on, but he wants to continue to play. 
So he's the best player, defensive player, arguably the best player in Houston Texans franchise history. And after 11 seasons, he is done with the team. And so, like I said, they are parting ways. So this is a developing story. We are definitely going to keep our eye on that. And like I said, he wants to continue to play. He's still a fairly young man. He wants to continue to go. So now there is a good pass rusher, a hell of a locker room guy available. You look at Green Bay. You know, he's from Wisconsin. You look at Green Bay. You look at his brother team in Pittsburgh. They could use a guy opposite. I mean, Watts on each side. They All three brothers will be back together. You've got Derek as a fullback, obviously. TJ is one pass rusher. JJ can be the other pass rusher. And all three Watts are on the same team for the first time in their life. I'm sure their family would absolutely love that. You've got New Orleans, who could be looking for an edge rusher. Tampa Bay. What if Shaq Barrett goes and breaks the bank like he wants to do and gets a big $100 million deal? J.J. Watt goes to Tampa for $10 million, and now they've got J.J. Watt opposite JPP. You've got Kansas City could use another guy on the edge. I mean, there is a lot of Minnesota. We spoke about them already. They could use a guy on the edge. There's a lot of teams that could use a guy. The Chargers could use a guy on the edge. J.J. Watt is such a huge commodity for what he can do for just a year or two. He doesn't have to be there for long, but he can make a difference and go in a deep playoff run. Arizona could use an edge guy in a big situation. So this is be very interesting where J.J. Watt decides to land. It definitely shakes up the mock draft. None at all because Houston Texans didn't have a first round pick. Although what does shake up the first, uh, the mock draft, just a hair is Pittsburgh losing the pounces. Both pounces decided to retire. So that reaffirmed my need in Buffalo to go get an offensive lineman. And however, that does slightly alter the Pittsburgh Steelers plan. So maybe they do end up grabbing the offensive lineman that went right after them. Maybe they do decide, hey, we pick him up because we need offensive lineman. Pounce is gone. We can do a bunch of shifting. Maybe they go Wyatt Davis there out of Ohio State to just flat out lose a center, replace a center. But maybe they still stick with going safety after all. So that was some absolutely breaking news. Hey, it's what we do here at Just In Time Sports. We get the news out. We get the news reported. So let's go back to the NBA. Man, that was Sorry, the complete break there. That was huge. So let's get back into the NBA and talk about what's going down there. Do the Mavericks have a pulse? Do the Mavericks may just have a pulse after all. They are starting to play a lot better. They're starting to win games. That is definitely a good sign for the Mavs. And my preseason MVP pick, selfishly, of Luka Doncic. He needs to get to, like, the sixth or fifth seed, and then I have a shot at it. But the way LeBron is playing, Joel Embiid, Jalen Brown, some of the other guys, Donovan Mitchell, those guys are absolutely going crazy right now. So maybe my MVP pick for preseason won't exactly pan out. Neither will my rookie of the year pick. That's pretty much LaMelo Ball. That's pretty much been decided. So I can go ahead and move on my life from there. Those two picks are out. Doc Rivers, though, still in play for Coach of the Year. Probably going to win that one. Him or Quinn Snyder. So I'm going to play for that one still because the Jazz are absolutely on fire. Congratulations to Utah. They are absolutely going places. 
And so, but I feel like this Utah team, remember that Atlanta Hawks team that was like 62 and 20 or 60 and 22? They won 60 games. They had all they had five people in the All-Star game. At one point, they pulled off five of them on the court, and they were running sets in the All-Star game because it was just natural for them. They started busting out sets. Al Horford, you know, Damari Carroll, Kyle Korver. Remember that team? Remember that team got obliterated by LeBron, like destroyed in four games, got annihilated in the second round, done. I have an odd feeling the Utah Jazz or the new Atlanta Hawks. They're probably going to win the equivalent by 60 games. They're going to get annihilated by somebody in the second round. Oh, destroyed. They're going to win that first round matchup. They may not win that first round matchup, depending on, like, say, they draw the Pelicans. And let's say it's the Pelicans. Okay, your advantage is Rudy Gobert. The Pelicans have Steven Adams. Yes, Zion Williamson has to come to Rudy Gobert to score. But we've seen when they play, Zion doesn't care about Rudy Gobert. He's going around him. He's going under him. He's doing what he's got to do to get by him. No one on the court can guard Brandon Ingram. Donovan Mitchell is going to be a problem, but he's going to have to win you four games because nobody else on the court is going to be able to score. So, yes, in the regular season, they're going to kick your butt off coaching. But if a, another coach is half decent, they can really lock down. Utah doesn't have Lakers talent. They don't have Clippers talent. They don't have Portland's talent. They don't have Denver's talent. They don't have Phoenix's talent. Like, they are not one of the top five most talented teams in the West. And they're probably going to be the one seed and get obliterated in the second round at the, at the worst. Or at the latest. So that is something to definitely watch out there. Shout out the Toronto Raptors. They have life. They didn't look like they were going to go anywhere this season. They have life. The Miami Heat are climbing up. Thanks to Jimmy Butler's triple-double last night. They're filing up the rankings. So the NBA season is getting really underway. Obviously, we've got All-Star break in about a month. So that's when the season will really ramp up. But so far, the NBA is looking very well. Right now, LeBron James and the Lakers have won three straight overtime games, him playing 40 minutes at least in all three, and they are completely trying to win games right now with Anthony Davis, who's nursing a sore Achilles. And so they are doing that out there. Philadelphia, obviously, they have Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, Milwaukee, as quietly as you can fly under the radar as a two seed. They're the number two seed out east right now. The Nets, even with injuries and COVID and trades and all that stuff, they're sitting at three. And so the NBA season, the Clippers are going as quietly as you can to be a three seed. I mean, they're not as quiet as the Bucks because the, the only time you see the Bucks is when Giannis misses a game-winning shot. But for the Clippers, they are flying under the radar. Paul George is playing amazingly. They're flying under the radar at three. Steph Curry, like I said earlier, is going absolutely insane And so he is balling as well for the Golden State Warriors. And so this is going to be a great NBA season. And I can't wait to fully devote my time to that now that football is over. But up next, we're going to shift to the MLB and talk about what's going down with Major League Baseball. And we are back. And now we are going to look at Major League Baseball and talk about what's going down there. So last week or a couple of weeks ago, I lamented baseball and their negotiation tactics because last season was an absolute mess. In the middle of COVID, they were squabbling over millions. Um, to, to, to them, the owners were squabbling over pennies on the dollar. 
it was it was ridiculous. Um, I lamented them often on the show. I talked about them seriously often. It was it was bad. And baseball, but I complimented them a couple weeks ago. I said, hey, looks like baseball is going to get their act together. Looks like baseball is figuring out negotiations and they're looking like they're going to have a clean, quick negotiation. And we're going to get baseball how we normally get baseball for the season or at least a click clear and quick negotiation if it's reduced games if it's 120 games you know they're gonna if you're gonna get everything done quickly this time well baseball decided to make it even quicker than i thought they were gonna do it so it was a simple negotiation in baseball the league sent a deal to the players that had the following stuff in it and his main points they propose a 154 game schedule while still paying the players for 162 they were going to delay the season to april 28th they were going to install a universal designated hitter and they were going to expand the playoffs from 14 teams from 10 teams to 14 teams rather now i thought it was a little weird that baseball was willing to give up eight games yet pay for eight games but then i looked in the playoff they're going to get it back in the playoffs so they did that the players said nope not doing it we want the full 162 we want opening day on april 1st all that and so the deal was rejected and so everything will go according to plan as originally stated the season will start on april 1st the union rejected the deal i spoke about this last year with their negotiations how the baseball union the major league baseball player association is the strongest union in sports i mean the nfl union is i would probably say one of the weaker ones because there's so many players and there's so many different needs and the money is so spread apart that I would say baseball's uh, football rather is one of the weaker ones. Basketball due to star power is probably second. But baseball has a band of brothers mentality. When they run a ride for something, they stick together. So baseball is a nearly unbreakable bond between them. And so that's why I say baseball is one of the stronger unions. The union will turn their back on fellow players. They all turn their back on the Astros and everybody's leaving the organization. It is it is rough if you cross the players union. And so sometimes the league is at the behest of the union and they gave in this time. And so we're going to have the season on April 1st. They're going to have the normal spring training in March. And then we're going to have a regular 162 game baseball season, in which case, you know, it's going to have delays, it's going to have postponements, it's going to have possible cancellations because we're going to let fans back in certain arenas. Uh, you're already seeing how like Governor Como in New York, one of the hotbeds, one of the hotbed starters for COVID is now conceding to let fans in arenas and stuff like that. So we're going to get fans. Vaccinations are coming out. We're going to get a more normal baseball season than we had last year. Hopefully we can avoid any league-wide outbreaks considering that it is a regular schedule. What if somebody pops positive and then they play two different teams? We can have an eight-team league outbreak. Hopefully, like I said, we avoid that. We avoided it for the most part last season. Miami had a bad one. Uh, there was a couple others in the Midwest that weren't great. Um, obviously, the Dodgers had the scandal into their World Series victory with Justin Turner testing positive, being pulled off the field, but allowing to, him to stay in the clubhouse, run on the field, take pictures with no mask on, and all the other stuff. Luckily, it was all it was all negative cases. All signs of COVID were avoided, so that was great. But hopefully, we continue to have a normalization in sports. I would like, you know, 162 games in baseball. I would love 82 games in basketball. I would love football made it through somehow, some way. 
Uh, I would love college basketball to have fans in the stands for the tournament. I would love college football to be packed. So hopefully we can get this. Hopefully baseball is the the guiding light. It is still deemed as America's sport. So hopefully it could give us a way to positively get through a season, especially with fans not being allowed in the stands, vaccinations happening, and things of that nature. But up next, we're going to shift to our best for last, which is going to actually go back to football, and we're going to talk about the GOAT, Tom Brady. Alrighty, guys, and we are back. And now we're going to discuss the GOAT, Tom Brady. He went to his 10th Super Bowl. He won his 7th. He threw the damn Lombardi trophy from one boat to another. He got off the boat drunk. He now possesses more Super Bowl rings than every other franchise in the NFL. Or, he, I mean, he has seven. The next teams to him, Pittsburgh, six, and New England for his original six. He now has more championships than Michael Jordan. The only really big-name player in the history of sports, team sports, with more championships than him would be Bill Russell with 11. Tom Brady is the greatest football player ever. I I, I know. I, I know. I know. I, I get it. I, I can hear it now. But Justin, he doesn't have the athleticism. He's 43 years old and had his third or fourth best season of his career. I'm sorry. What did Jerry Rice do in his 40s? He had a pretty good year, don't get me wrong. What did Jerry Rice do in his 40s? What did Joe Montana do in his 40s? Oh, oh, wait, he didn't get there. What? I got it. What did Peyton Manning do in his 40s? He he didn't get there either. How did Brett Favre look in his 40s? Tom Brady won a Super Bowl at 43. And it wasn't like he got dragged there like Peyton did that last year. No, he actually contributed to the Super Bowl at 43. He's coming back. The Tampa Bay Bucks have about $28 million in cap space and can, through some maneuvering, create more and have the very real possibility of bringing Godwin and Barrett and AB and Fournette and Gronk, who's not going anywhere, back to that team and Levante David who seems to get over overlooked in this situation Levante David is a very critical piece of that organization including Levante David back it wouldn't necessarily be hard I mean Barry probably demand 20 million dollars a year pay him uh Godwin probably demand 17 you offer him 15 hope he takes it uh you get Levante David a long-term extension you just you just give him a five-year extension he may not be worth it in three years but you give him a five-year extension Thank you for sticking with us through these bad times. AB's got a case in December looming over his head. His mark won't be that big. Give Gronk the minimum. Worst kind of worst your franchise tag for net. You don't let him out the building. So there's a there's a very real path to Bucks bring the whole squad back. You think they're not gonna go in next year? Because now they can just draft uh the best player available and fill in a need. Uh, you know, if you if you do a situation where you have to franchise Shaq Barrett, draft another edge, you know, if you do a situation where you have to, you ultimately decide, hey, we need another running back, grab Travis Etienne, let Fournette walk. I mean, you have the ability 
in so many different situations. I mean, Trey Ronald Jones, he didn't necessarily play well late in the season. So the Bucks have a lot of ways to go. Tom Brady has seven rings. He's on a quest for eight. He doesn't look like he's slowing down. He looks like he's more motivated than ever. That Florida sound like he's doing him very well. Tom Brady is the greatest football player ever. I can make an argument very easily. He's the greatest athlete ever. The greatest team sport athlete in American sports ever. He has three Hall of Fame careers inside of one. And you can trisect it. You can go first seven, middle seven, last seven. In the first seven, he won a lot as a game manager. Troy Aikman, basically. In the middle seven, a lot of stat padding. Not a whole lot of winning, but a lot of stat padding. And he snuck to a Super Bowl. Very Dan Marino-esque. In the third, it's very Joe Montana-esque. It's good stats, not amazing. Hell of a lot of winning. He's got four rings in the last seven years. Five rings in the last seven years. Four rings, five appearances. Very Joe Montana-esque. He's got three great Hall of Fame quarterback careers in one. Before Brady could trisect the career, only Jerry Rice could bisect the career and have two Hall of Fame careers. Tom Brady said, I'll see you, Mr. Rice. I'll raise you one. I'll trisect the career and have three Hall of Fame careers in one. Tom Brady's the greatest football player ever. He may be the greatest team sport player ever, but his greatness should never be undermined by Bill Belichick's. You know, the system as a Patriots fan is hers to say. It wasn't the system. Hell, it was Belichick to an extent because whatever the hell that roster was got seven wins and is a couple of Cam Newton plays away from nine wins. Or not winning the bet against Houston from possibly ten wins. It wasn't the system. Tom Brady's the system. It wasn't the culture. Tom Brady's the culture. All of the possible bad apples they have in Tampa, not one issue. Antonio Brown, model citizen. Leonard Fournette, model citizen. He has a bad reputation. Gronk usually has a situation when he gets out of line once, twice a season. Nothing. That Antoine Winfield personality just started jumping out at the end of the season. He didn't cause a problem. Because it's Tom Brady. That offered that one of the most heavily penalized teams in the league went to one of the least penalized teams in the league. It's Brady. He's the GOAT. He's the GOAT of GOATs in professional team sports as far as I'm, a, I'm concerned. There's no one that does what he does on and off the field for an organization. I mean, you can put LeBron James in this category. Michael Jordan also has a case. But those are the only two that can challenge Brady at this point. Jordan's career never really was the off-the-field greatness that Brady did in terms of leadership and stuff like that. And LeBron hasn't hadn't won enough yet. It's Brady. He's the GOAT. That's it. That's the end of the show. He's I mean, Tom Brady's the GOAT. That's the end of the show. But that is how we will conclude. This is a great show. It was a packed show. I've been having this Super Bowl on my mind all week. I'm so ready. I'm so glad I can tell you guys my opinions on it. Get you guys ready for the draft with the mock draft. And I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Don't forget, you can find the show on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And follow the Twitter page at J at J Time Sports. All caps. I repeat at J Time Sports. Or just type in Justin Time Sports into your search bar on Twitter. It should also pop up as well. We were one of the first people on the JJ Watt news. We break news all the time. So definitely get on that. But I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. And this is your host, Justin Jackson, signing out.